We are only nine months away from that happening. <laughs> yeah, only nine months. It's always Bengals time, Tom. Bengals all around the clock. That's it's right. We have, you know, so many guys on here, you know, Brian B. And we have Everett. And we have some other guys. And they want us to talk baseball, baseball, baseball. <laughs> That's what happens to our numbers. <laughs> That's what happens. But I'm happy to talk about it. We so do have some baseball news today. What's that? So you don't want to talk baseball. I'm all for talking baseball. Don't I'm just saying that it is, it, it, is, it is apparent when you just look at our numbers. I brought this up the other day. We are in the business of trying to please our audience and gain viewership. Now, maybe you can make the argument if we talk more baseball, we would gain more viewers. Right? But would we gain more than we apparently lose? When we do talk baseball and not football, I think the people love it. I think we need all. Red, I, that's where I wear my Reds head, hat today. Mm. All Reds, all they're talking about all Bengals all the time. All Reds all the time. Have you been to any of the Reds caravan stops? I, I, I absolutely not. Would you go? No, absolutely. Why? Not. Why not? They're actually pretty. They're. I actually have to say they're actually pretty good. Because, and this is with all due love and respect and all that. I don't think the players that they've brought on those uh, Reds caravans have been worthy of my uh, attention. And I say that with love and respect. <laughs> that was incredibly insulting. <laughs> I just that, that was incredibly insulting. I just think if we're going to spend a couple hours in like a sweaty gym or wherever they're having these things, I you know. Having the world's biggest indoor facility. Yeah, it's just Spooky like nook. just a sweaty, just a sweaty little gym, and and, and I'm good. But I, I'm a fan of the Reds. I love the Reds. Okay. All right, all right. We'll get into some of David Bell's comments uh, that I found uh, very interesting that he made on one of the caravan stops apparently yesterday. Good morning, and we welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey, to 12. Hey, you can join us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. Bleh. We also broadcast live on X at Seabox Sports. And what is this? We should be on Rumble. Was that from, uh, this is from Trace, Trace yesterday? Trace. This is Trace. from Trace. What is Rumble? I, it's some other. It's a new social media site. It is. It's all yeah. we need. True right. Social. Right. Rumble. Right. What else? What's the other one you always talk about that you guys have all your side chats on? Discord. 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 Is that another Discord. one? Discord. We can't go live on Discord, but yeah, we can chat after hours. We can we can sit here and talk with all the guys that watch our show every day. Okay. Well, if you'd rather join us in podcast form, we invite you to do so. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brennan and you're dialed in. So who is Dan Pitcher? You know, the guy chosen yesterday, he'll be announced in about an hour this morning to be the next Bengals offensive coordinator, replaces Brian Callahan, who's now the head coach in Tennessee. He's only 37 years young. He grew up in New York, played quarterback at Columbia for a couple of years, transferred to SUNY Cortland. Those are New York schools all around the entire state of New York, where he won the Gagliardi Trophy. That is the Division Three equivalent mm. of the Heisman Trophy. He was a quarterback. He worked as a scout for the Colts to get everything started in 2016. The Bengals said, come on over as an offensive assistant under Marvin Lewis. Now, Zach Taylor kept Pitcher around as an assistant coach, made him the quarterback's coach, just months before the team drafted Joe Burrow. Those three, along with Callahan, have worked hand-in-hand -hand ever since. Now Pitcher 
is the offensive coordinator. Is he ready for this job? Will he call plays? Something he has never done before. Anywhere. Nowhere. It stands to reason, right, that if Taylor didn't have Callahan call plays, and you think about all the experience Callahan had. I mean, it was night and day the experience Callahan had when he came to Cincinnati compared to pitcher coming to Cincinnati. So you got to figure, right? No way Zach Taylor hands off the offense to a guy with zero experience calling plays, right? Now, numerous teams really like pitcher. He interviewed for OC positions last year, was set for three more this year. Is this the right move? Should the Bengals have gone outside the building? A new voice, maybe a new fresh set of eyes. We'll talk about it today. Jay Morrison will join us tomorrow on the program to talk about this more in depth. Jim Harbaugh is back in the National Football League. After winning this year's college football playoff national championship, Harbaugh will take over as head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Wherever he goes, the guy wins and wins big. And I mean wins right now. If you go back and look at the teams before he got there, the year before they got there, and what they did his first year there, the numbers are staggering. University of San Diego, Stanford, the 49ers, where he went 44-19, and 19, got run. Going 44-19 and 19 with three divisional titles and a trip to the Super Bowl. Some people say he's tough to get along with. Then, of course, he goes to Michigan, his alma mater, three Big Ten titles, three straight wins over Ohio State after he started 0-5 against the Buckeyes. And this year's title, the first for his alma mater since 1997. So who replaces him at Michigan? It's almost a foregone conclusion. Sharon Moore will meet with A.D. Wade Manuel today and is expected to get the job. Moore was marvelous when he filled in for the suspended Harbaugh four games last year, won them all, including Penn State and Ohio State. Vic Fangio out after one year as defensive coordinator in Miami. Now, look, you talk about Zach Taylor and continuity, right? He's had all these guys. Callahan's the first guy that leaves. For Mike McDaniels in Miami, that means he will have three different defensive coordinators in his three seasons as head coach. Hmm. Joe Barry cut loose his D.C. and Green Bay. And then there's Tom Telesco. Did you see this story? He's the new GM of the L.A. Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, forgive me. Now, are you surprised? Do, do you really care? Probably not, right? I only bring this up because you talk about living right. Here's a guy that's been the general manager for the Chargers since 2013. That is a lifetime for a GM in the National Football League. They went to the playoffs his first year. They went to the playoffs five years later. A total of three times in 11 seasons. They won two postseason games. The last one coming six years ago. He hired and fired three terrible coaches. But Raiders owner Mark Davis says, that's my guy. And in baseball, very interesting move made by the Brewers yesterday. They signed former Phillies slugger Reese Hoskins to a two-year, $34 million contract. Hoskins missed all of last season's with an ACL tear suffered in spring training. The prior four years, he averaged better than 30 home runs per season. 
And his OPS was 25% higher than the league average. So teams like the Brewers, they got to take a chance. Smaller market teams, rebuilding, new manager, et cetera, et cetera, under Pat Murphy. So uh, good stuff there. And uh, we hope he's healthy. Although you don't want to see him do any damage to your Cincinnati Reds. Do you, Elliot? Reese Hoskins. That guy is a power hitter. I would have loved him as a red. I, I said, I listen. I, I would have loved him as a red, but that's okay. We got our guys. We got our guys. We went out and spent a whole lot of money this off season, so we're ready to roll, baby. NL Central, NL Central, Tom. It's going to be the most competitive division in baseball this year. A lot of talk right now. We'll stay on this theme with baseball for a minute before we get to pitcher because that was our last story in the monologue. Is that uh, you talk about the Central, and th- there are a lot of articles being written right now all over by some of the top baseball writers in the country about, you know. Basically, after a complete explosion in the free agent market, primarily exercised by the Dodgers in terms of the big, 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 big money. You've got a guy who played himself into the MVP conversation last year with your Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. right? In Bellinger, mm-hmm. right? You got a guy who won the National League Cy Young last year, right? Blake Snell averaged about five innings a game. Is Blake Snell still not signed? I don't think he signed, is he? I don't know. There are a lot of big-name guys still out there. A lot of them. And, you know, we've seen a, you know, a few moves made here, made there, all that kind of – initially, the Cardinals went on this big spending spree. Mm-hmm. And they go in and they bring in three starters. Uh, I'm not so sure how good those guys are. I think Sonny Gray's good. I think the, uh, the other one's here. Did Jordan Montgomery ever end up signing with anybody yet? Rangers, right? Well, he was oh, with no, the Rangers. They, they went, I don't know if Jordan I don't think he signed either. On this. I'm, yeah, you're right, though. I, I mean, there are really a lot to... of big-time guys out there, man. Yeah, he's still, they're still, he's still out there. You're, you're absolutely right. Besides what the, uh, what the Dodgers have done, and until the Dodgers made those moves, that was kind of the holdup, right? Like, everyone's like, yep. well, you got to see where Shohei goes, and then the rest of the market will kind of fall into place. Shohei signs. And then uh, I, I apologize. I don't know the, the Japanese pitcher um, that, that's coming over his name. Yamamoto. Um, Yamamoto. Oh, we got to see where Yamamoto goes before the pitching market really starts to settle. Well, he signs, and there still isn't a whole lot of moves. Yeah, I mean, like one team, like my team, the Chicago Cubs, were rumored to be making all these moves yep. this offseason. Really haven't done a whole lot. Really haven't done a whole lot with all these big names still out there. I mean, you mentioned Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, the guys like uh, former multiple-time All-Star like Matt Chapman still out there. So there's a lot of good names that are that are still looking uh, looking for places to play. It's, yeah, it's I mean, really if you wanted to overhaul your team and you had the cash, and the Cubs have the cash. I don't know if they need overhaul. You could just go on a spending spree here in the next two weeks. Right. Spring training, I mean, it's right around the corner here now. We're banging on the door of February. February, pitchers and catchers report, and so do position players. And then there's Joey Votto. Right? That's right. There have been some rumors out there the Angels could be interested in him. He made the comment, you may remember, uh, Votto did on X, that uh, there were four teams interested in him. He did not name uh, who those teams are. You got to believe one of them's Toronto. If for no other reason, it's his hometown. Uh, They have a spot where they could use him. Uh, and most recently, there have been rumors about San Diego and also the Angels. Now, the Angels are spending, they're doing a nice job spending some money. It, it, let, me, let me back up. 
if you agree that it's a good thing that a team goes out and spends money, given Robert Stevenson 30-something million dollars a year, that's right, the former Robert Stevenson of the Reds. Remember him? Number one round draft pick? Yeah. He missed the first three months of last season, pitched great the last three months, and makes that into a three-year, $33 million deal. Did you see that? The, I don't know if there's a team that uh, spends their money worse than the Los Angeles Angels. Nobody. I re- Nobody. I, like, as an American League team, I loved Mike Trout growing up. I loved Shohei. I, I remember Shohei was over in Japan. Before he got there, I was like, dude, I love this Angels team. And they just – they just never get it right. You know, one, one name that I don't think has signed yet that is incredibly interesting as I'm looking around these uh, these top free agents that are still available. We're talking about guys like, I don't think Jorge Soler has signed. Right. right. There's one name that is still out there in like, I don't think Clayton Kershaw has a team. I don't think Clayton Kershaw signed a, a deal to the Dodgers. Now it's very, very likely that he will go back to the Dodgers, but Clayton Kershaw doesn't have a team at this very moment. There's still so much talent out there. So much. Oh, yeah. How would you feel about the Reds signing Clayton Kershaw? I would love it. I would love it. But it's not going to happen. But I would love it, to answer your question. I think- but if that was the um, – that was almost the perfect guy you were looking for to help all these young pitchers, right? Yeah. Right? Veteran guy, great dude. No debate about that, right. right? I mean, totally on his game, on the field and off the field. Now, is he the Clayton Kershaw that he was piling up the Cy Young Award? No. But it's still Clayton Kershaw. I, I, I am fascinated that somebody has not signed that guy. I mean, he, he more than likely is going to go to the Dodgers. Yeah, more and, than and likely. Can, and continue there. It's it's interesting that they haven't just resigned because it's not like the Dodgers have a – been shy of, of spending money yeah. this offseason. You know what? The, the greatest stat, I saw this when, when they were talking about like Billy Wagner and the Hall of Fame stuff, was they, they pulled up the all-time ERA leaders in the modern era. And the guys that are up there are Mariano Rivera, closer, Billy Wagner, closer, yep, a bunch of other relievers. And he knows nestled in the midst of them, Clayton Kershaw. No other starter, I believe, is in the top five or top ten that's in the live ball era than Clayton Kershaw, which is truly, I mean, his, I mean, his numbers are staggering. You know, uh, a lot of people thought that this was going to happen with Kershaw with the Dodgers, and then they go out and sign James Paxton yesterday. That's right. I mean, Paxton. It's an old left-hand, like, right? Left-hander, same kind of stage in his career. He's had very good success. If I'm not mistaken, Paxton has won a Cy Young, I think, no. many moons ago in the American League. No. Um and a lot of people think that that might be uh, closing the door on the future Hall of Famer, Clayton Kershaw. Going to be interesting to see. All right. Um, David Bell made some comments yesterday. And, you know, I okay, in baseball, we know now in the National League you have the designated hitter. Okay? So that is another option for a manager uh, where he can get guys in the lineup that need uh, playing time. He was asked during the caravan stop somewhere yesterday, um, about playing time that after they brought in Jamer Candelario, they basically have seven guys that can play the infield, okay? And in no particular order, whether it's Candelario, whether it's Encarnacion Strand, India, De La Cruz, Matt McLean, Marte, 
and Steer. So you have seven guys. Now, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Steer will be an outfielder to start the season and probably will stay there, right? India has been open to the conversation about getting time in the, outf uh, in the outfield. Okay, that's fine. Um, and look, there are a lot of at-bats. If you go back and look at all the at-bats that Kevin Newman's and the Nick Senzel's and all of these guys last year piled up, there are a ton of at-bats to be had by all of these young and talented players. But when I'm sitting there trying to do the math, Elliot, help me here with this a minute. I'm sitting here doing the math. Candelario is going to play every day, virtually yes. every day, yes. right? Yep. McLean is going to play every day. Correct. Okay. Of all the guys in that entire group that I just mentioned, we're taking steer out, so now we're down to six. Okay? So you've got four infield spots. You have a designated hitter spot. So... There you have five of the six remaining players, right? That's right. Okay, so everybody can get a day off and all that kind of thing, uh, which is great. You're going to need it over 162 games. But, you know, I always uh, – and I don't have a, an opinion on it one way or the other. I don't think there's a perfect way, and I don't think that there's necessarily a bad way. But, you know, you'll get a lot of, a lot of fans that will say – Man, I need to know what that lineup is every day. I need guys playing the same position, knowing where they're going to play when they come to the ballpark. The flip side of all that is Chris Bryant, back when he was with the Cubs and won right. an MVP, he's playing left, he's playing right, occasionally center, he's playing third, he's playing first. Uh, with DH, by the time they had put that in, he said that's what made it fun coming to the ballpark every day. Mm -hmm. But with young players, and Bryant was young then, he's still young. Uh, you know, I, I wonder, and David Bell says it's the perfect scenario. He knows his team better than I do. I guess we have to trust him in that regard. Yeah, I listen, I, I, we, we knew this was going to be an issue, but it's a good issue to have. It, it's Jonathan India, is, this is a massive year for him. He's going to have to prove a lot of the haters wrong um, if he wants to continue to play for the Cincinnati Reds or, or really uh, baseball in general. I think he's going to be a... Uh, a baseball player for a long time in the MLB. But despite that, uh, you have Noelvi Marte, who I think is one of the better uh, – who had one of the better seasons of, of the rookies last year. His spot's now going to be occupied by Candelario, depending on if uh, Strand is able to keep his high intensity up at first. So you have all these guys. It's essentially, they're all on the team and they're all going to contribute, but they're all basically uh, auditioning to, to get their definite spot yep. is how I would look at it. you got to play hot uh, and you got to stay hot throughout the year to earn your spot. I think Ellie's going to keep it keep himself shortstop the whole year long. Uh, they're not going to bench Ellie, and I don't think Matt McClain's going to get benched at second. But you have Strand, Candelario, Jonathan India, and Noelvi Marte are the four X factors, and, and Candelario's going to play every day like you said. So then really it's three. Uh, fighting for just a couple spots. I would bet, I would venture to say, Jonathan India will be an outfielder this year. I think that's what's going to happen, uh, just for playing time purposes. But, like you said, I, I, I think this is going to be an interesting uh, interesting note for the Reds. I, I really do. Okay. Nick Kirby makes a comment, winning's a lot more fun than losing with a consistent lineup. Okay. And Justin says, David Bell has earned the benefit of the doubt, the way he juggled those guys around last year. I think there's, there's truth to that. Who... <clears throat> What guys are going to be those swing guys? Because, like, you look at the top teams in, in in Major League Baseball, they consistently have one guy that if you put together the top the top nine hitters, like your opening day lineup, your game seven lineup, this guy might not play. 
But you look at his stats, he plays 130 games. He just plays four different positions. I'm looking at like a guy like Chris Taylor for the Dodgers. Like you put together a starting lineup for the Dodgers, he's not every day at shortstop. He's not every day in left field. He's not every day at third base. But over the course of a season, he's going to play 30 games, 40 games in each of those positions. Who are those swing guys for for the Reds? Jonathan India is the big one. Right. Yeah. I, I think Jonathan India has lost the spot at second base. Steer, Steer's going to play a bunch of positions. Steer's going to play a bunch of, bunch of positions. I think Condelario is going to play all over the infield, first and third, uh, and DH as well. So those are those are the big ones. I think Noel V. Marte uh, could start experimenting uh, outside of third base as well. I guess the better question is, is who, who has their – definite spot McLean McLean has his definite spot and Ellie has his definite spot like up in the middle the, too right yep I I think the, I think the middle infield the in, middle infield positions are set okay hmm okay all right fair enough all right let's uh let's shift gears over to football and the whole Dan Pitcher thing uh we were talking about this we we assumed all along even though they went through the drill uh uh checking boxes uh, and look, and I don't mean to, um, when I say that, I, I, you know, I should probably correct myself because uh, the Rooney rule is a great rule. It is a phenomenal rule. And I am highly in favor of the Rooney rule in every way that there is because there are not enough African-American coaches in the National Football League. They've not been given the same chance as a lot of other guys. So the NFL put that rule in. Um, and so you have to uh, make sure before you do any hiring even if it's a guy on your staff that you know you want. And there's no doubt the Bengals wanted the guy, pitcher, as the offensive coordinator, right? They knew that. And we said that there was probably some, you know, backroom deal, and there's nothing wrong with it by just saying, hey, look, it's up to you if you want to go interview with those teams. You were supposed to get on a plane Tuesday night, but you're our guy. We love you here, okay? They may have learned something from the other candidate they brought in, that maybe it's a guy they want to bring in. He used to be a former offensive line coach, right? They talked to him about the offensive coordinator job. You never know. So, fine. They ultimately agreed that Pitcher is the guy. First of all, that is a slam dunk, Casey, that tells you Zach Taylor will be the play caller next year. Not even remotely debatable. Yeah, I mean, uh, Reed and I yesterday, we went live for, not live, we, we did a little short recording, right. and we basically said that the, the, the buzzword here is just continuity. I mean, that's all this hiring was. It was to have the same scheme and, and the same pecking order, so to speak. And uh, Dan Pitcher, you know, I, I think the organization likes him a lot. But, yeah, you're right, Tom. I don't think there's anything that's going to change drastically about this team moving forward next year. Now, we might see some changes just because – it's a collaborative collaborative effort between Zach and Dan and the rest of the staff that they want to start running the ball more. But I feel like Zach Taylor is still going to be calling plays. I think um, Reed and I have both now come to the conclusion that the play calling thing is just a, a dumb thing to get upset about. Cause not everyone, always, not always, but, but as a blanket statement, yeah, yes. as a blanket statement, it's more about the scheme. That's more important than the actual play calls on the field more times than not. But, you know, um, Dan Pitcher, I felt like, really deserved this job anyways. Um, you look at what he was able to do four years with Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow's a, a top quarterback in this league, and he had some part in yep. having that work out. And uh, very, very, uh, very good for Dan Pitcher. Uh, I want to also just point out that they actually had a plan in place for now years at this point 
to have Dan Pitcher become the offensive coordinator to have a, that succession plan yep. in place. They had Alex Van Pelt. They brought in Dan Pitcher as the assistant quarterbacks coach. Alex Van Pelt leaves for a job. Dan Pitcher moves in the quarterbacks coach. They extend Dan Pitcher. They bring in another assistant quarterbacks coach, Brad Cragthrope. I don't know how to exactly pronounce his last name, but Brad Cragthrope is now the new quarterbacks coach, more than likely. He's still got the title of assistant quarterbacks coach, but I'm sure he's going to fill in for mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. position right away. Their succession plan worked. It worked. They knew that Brian Callahan was on the move probably. Uh, they got lucky last year keeping both those guys, and uh, now we have Dan Pitcher as our OC. Continuity. That's the, that's the buzzword. Continuity. We'll see if it works. It, it, it fell to plan. It fell into place that they're, they're, they're thing. It, but here, here's my biggest takeaway from it, Tom, is one, it, it is incredibly refreshing to see exactly what, what Casey said. In a league that is constantly revolving doors and mm -hmm. firing coaches, getting guys out, the Bengals sit down, and they really have for a while, and said, hey, we want some continuity in this yep. building. And then secondly, it is nice to it, – it's refreshing to see this organization – really like make plans in advance we saw this in the draft a couple years ago when they drafted dax hill in the first round you're like why are the heck are we drafting a safety in the first round when we have jesse bates and, and von bell this is a guy that's supposed to be an immediate impact player they said well we want to we know these guys are probably out the door in a year we want to kind of fill the the cupboard start getting the cupboard full for when those things empty so the Bengals are operating in years in advance at least it seems that way in a couple of instances the, I, I, I very much like the continuity. I also would have liked to see a guy from the outside come in, whether that would have been the quarterback's coach, the offensive coordinator, because as I said, I said, I think collaboration is so important to success, getting someone that's been successful somewhere else and saying, hey, can you get some fresh set of eyes, the cliche here, can, can you look at this offense and see what you can do? But yeah, I mean, <laughs> continuity is so important. I will admit something as a Bengals fan that I'm incredibly tired of. I'm in, I am growing so tired of the 2019 LSU Tigers talk. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. Joe Brady, who was the passing game coordinator, yep. did a fantastic job as the OC in the second half of the year for the Buffalo Bills. Everyone's like, hey, let's go get Joe Brady. Let's bring him in. Uh, well, let's but, but, but in fairness, I don't mean to interrupt, but I mean in fairness now, when Brady – took over for Ken Dorsey this year as the offensive coordinator. I mean, that offense absolutely exploded, especially in the run game. I know. You're so there's a track record there. You're, you're right. There's a track record for anyone that was a part of the 2019 LSU team that there was some success right. there. Well, like, well, so, I'm, like, we, I'm, you're, people talk all the time. Let's bring Justin Jefferson in. Let's get Joe Brady mm -hmm. in. Uh, Thaddeus Moss is, is available. Let's get Thaddeus Moss. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be free here. I'm, I guarantee when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a, is a <laughs> free agent, we're going to be talking, hey, let's bring him in. Let's get the 2019. When Zach Taylor gets fired, we're going to be calling up Ed Orgeron. Like, we're going to – I'm tired of it, Tom. <laughs> I'm tired of yeah. the 2019 LSU talk. It's the greatest football college football team that I've ever seen. Joe Burrow had the best college football season that I've ever seen. But, listen, it's 2024. Let's move past it. I, I never understood it anyways. I, I get – why people wanted it but in terms of actual scheme joe brady's scheme worked because they had josh allen like they were able to run the ball as successfully right. as they were able to because they used what's called rpos where they either run 
they pass mm-hmm. or they option where Josh Allen was just running free everywhere. So okay, I, but isn't that part though of the of the offensive coordinator's job is to understand your personnel? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that I, I, mean I that yeah, no, no doubt. And run the same thing. Yeah, no doubt. But you can't. Hang on, you you just said run the same thing. I said you can't run right. The same you can't thing. you can't run the same right. thing. But that doesn't and, and mean that, that he's not adaptable to being able to do that. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. But if you look at what their offense did do besides running the ball. Stephon Diggs completely disappeared. Their whole entire passing game took a massive hit. Well, they got dropping a ball over the place. They really did. I mean, Diggs, even the tight ends dropping balls. I mean, you know, what's he going to do? But I'm with you. I mean, every time I turn (laughs) around, it's another guy that that, that knows Burrow. Seriously. Right. Right? I mean – and, and a lot of that has to do with – but, I mean, you, you look at Cragthorpe here, okay? Now, he, he spent time at LSU, but he was already here when Burrow got here. He was hired as a very young man. His uh, grandfather was a, a college head football coach at three different schools, including in a Pac-12. His dad was a head football coach for many, many years in college football, in Tulsa and also at Louisville for three years. So, I mean, this guy has – he's like Jim Harbaugh. He has grown up – Football, 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 football. And John Harbaugh. His entire life. That's what he's done. That's who he is. That's what he is. And he is getting a golden chance to be uh, the quarterback's coach uh, now with the Bengals and working with Burrow. But but I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think the offense has underperformed in relation to the uh, talent level that they have. Um, it's not to say they haven't had great games, and it's not to say that their numbers at the end of the year, you know, a couple of years ago, they're in the top 10 in offense, top 12, whatever it is, top five scoring, maybe it is. No, no debate about that. But I think all of us would have to admit this offense, even with Burrow healthy, has been a lot of this. Well, that's it's that's, been a lot of this. Well, that's why you think that that's why some people perceive this as underachieving. If they never had those performances that you sit there and go are in awe, like the Ravens back in 2021, where Joe Burrow throws for a thousand yards in two games. If you never have those games, then you never you never perceive that the team can do it consistently, right? Right. Like if you don't have those, it's it, it's none of this. It's more of just a steady down climb. So. Yeah, do we want to have more consistency here? Sure. Would we like to see more points in the postseason? Sure. They're five and two in the postseason, but I get it. Like, right? There hasn't been that thirty-five point explosion in the postseason yet. That teams like Patrick Mahomes, teams like Josh Allen, teams like the Lamar Jackson's Ravens have done. Haven't seen that yet. So that that's undoubtedly so. I, I do think that this offense has been very good over the past three years. I mean, 2021, it was a top top 10 offense. 2022 was a top five offense. Last year, and I know this is cherry picking and, and, and all those things, when Joe Burrow was healthy, that five-game stretch when Joe Burrow could move around mm-hmm. before he got hurt, they played five games. They went four and one. Of those five games, three of those teams played in the divisional round. The 49ers, the Texans, and the um, the Bills. Yeah. And they went 4-1 and one in that stretch, averaging close to 30 points a game. So, like, this offense, I, I understand the consistency problems, but in no way, stretch your imagination, am I worried about the offense going forward. Truly. No, and I, I think at this point, if Joe Burrow can stay healthy, that's that's the only thing that matters. 
So if we're gonna the, if if we're gonna if we're gonna argue about you know semantics a little bit here and there, and I agree with Tom to a certain degree that it does seem like the Bengals are due for one of the worst collapses in at least one game a season. Like I and that's the part where I think you know you separate the the best from the best. Like the Chiefs lose games, sure, but they never lose like thirty to three to the Browns. I think their worst loss this year was like twenty four to seven to the Broncos. But I, I they they don't go completely away ever. And I do think the Bengals sometimes do that. And, and again, we, we were talking about this before the show. There's also there's also the concern for you know you have to start hot eventually. At some point, you can't start one and three, zero oh and three, one and four. Uh, you have to start it right from the jump, and that is a coaching thing. I, I do believe that uh, not playing guys in the preseason, not getting them ready for for the start of the season, is a concern. But I think with with pitcher with Taylor. The Bengals will be fine. The Bengals will be just as good as they've been in the past several years, assuming everybody's healthy. We were killed by injuries this year, obliterated by injuries. Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, everybody was hurt. So I, if, if, if we're healthy, the offense is still going to be fine. We're going to be okay. I tell you, I mean, for you guys to sit here and say you're not worried about the offense next year with the guys that they're potentially losing, I mean, I, I, I just it boggles I, my mind. When I you mean, sit here and think about how bad the offensive line was this year, Okay, and truth be told, Jonah Williams wasn't great, but Jonah Williams wasn't terrible either. No. I mean, he, in fact, he did a pretty nice job when all was said and done changing positions this year. Yeah. Was he great? No. Was he better than average? Damn right. He was better than average. Veteran player, been around a while. Now, were you paying him too much money? Nothing they could do about that. He had already had a contract. But now, all of a sudden, some of these mock drafts are starting – already and, and, and believe me we're not going down that road for a while i mean we're not going we're not going there let's do it but you know a lot of the, the the mock drafts that have come out here and just in the last three or four days are predicting the bengals are going to draft a tackle out of alabama that there is a lot of very high end and mel copper mel kuyper's top 25 prospects overall seven of the top 25 are offensive tackles and they're talking about drafting a kid out of alabama right two-year starter Called him a mauler in the run game and very good in the pass. Okay, that's fine. Didn't we hear the same stuff about Jackson Carmen? Three-year starter at Clemson, left tackle, right? Protected Trevor Lawrence in his blind side for three years. Couple national championships. How'd that work out? How's it worked out with them drafting and developing offensive line? Their three best offensive linemen are, have all been free agents. Right. Okay. And so now we're supposed to not be worried about their offense. If I'm hearing everybody in the room right, and I think that's what everybody just said, if I'm not mistaken. So now we're not worried about the offense next year. You have a brand new offensive coordinator next year. You're going to need a brand new right tackle next year. Are you trusting the left guard next year? You got a center and a right guard who at times were good and at times they downright stunk. They're a year older. You're facing the possibility of T. Higgins not being here. You're certainly facing the possibility of Tyler Boyd not being here. And you guys aren't worried about the offense because of one guy being healthy? There's a chance Joe Mixon's not here next year. Say what you want about him. Thousand-yard rusher last season. When they gave him the ball, the cat does okay. He can catch it out of the backfield. I would argue with a stronger offensive line. He's a 12 to 1300 yard rusher per season, even now. 
And you guys tell me you're not worried about the offense because Joe Burrow is going to be healthy? I think, exactly I, I think that the quarterback position in the NFL, especially if you have a top-tier quarterback, is truly uh, – I mean, if you, if you had to place how much percentage a player matters, it's like 85%. I, 85 is not. I, I, it, well, let me, let, let me give you an example. I, I, a lot of people have been saying the Chiefs' offense isn't great, right? Right. So, so the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey and they have Rasheed Rice. Outside of that, he, Patrick Mahomes has zero people to throw to. Zero. Negative people. You have Isaiah Pacheco, who's been very good. So next year, if you're able to sign Mixon, if you have Jamar Chase, you're going to have T. Higgins presumably under a tag, or you trade him, and you'll replace that talent with a different wide receiver. I think you'll still be able to compete at a high level, especially with Joe Burrow. If you don't have Joe Burrow, we have nothing. And, and I think at this point, we, we have to consider Joe Burrow to be the guy that he's been over the past two years, maybe not last year because he was hurt. Here's the thing that, like, you, you say the reason that we aren't worried is because one guy being healthy. Yes, I truly believe that if Joe Burrow's healthy and Jamar Chase is healthy, that this offense will be fine, if not good, if not one of the best in the league. It, I, I'll, I'll give you an analogy here. If you look at – if you have a defense like, like Lindsey Steelers, right, and you look at that defense and they're losing a safety, they're losing a linebacker, new D.C. coming in, are you overly worried about that defense? No, because you know why? Because you got that one guy, you got TJ Watt coming off the edge. Now here on the offensive side, that's what we've got. We've got an elite guy, or at least a perceived elite guy. When he's healthy, he appears to be elite in Joe Burrow. We don't know how it's going to be after that second second injury. Could come back, and we don't know, right? There, there's a, right. there is a question mark there, and that's that's the biggest concern is is – is Joe Burrow still that guy coming off a second season-ending injury? That's the biggest concern, honestly, Tom. It's not, it's, not the, it's not the offensive coordinator because we know Zach Taylor's still going to call the same plays. It's not we, we still have a top three wide receiver in Jamar Chase. And I think that we can supplement what, what T. Higgins provided this year in either free agency or in the draft. And we certainly could supplement what T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd combined gave this team. Jonah Williams, that's a big miss. Now that is going to be that's that's the biggest thing that I think that's much a larger loom than than what we're going to do with T Higgins. Joe Mixon, you know my take on running backs. So it all things considered the phrase that I've said multiple times on this show and I will say until I don't think it's true anymore is that if you keep number 9 upright, you give him time, I think this offense is going to be great. Because when he was healthy this year, as I previously mentioned, this team was one of the best, if not the best, offenses in the league. That was only a five-game stretch, but they played some tough teams. And I'm cherry-picking here. But I don't know. When, when, when he's been here for a full season, he's quarterbacked the two best offensive seasons by a quarterback in this franchise's history. And I get all the questions loom, all the, all the things, but from what I've seen with nine, you keep him upright, I'm not worried about it. And not to mention the offense looked good under Jake Browning. And I think that is something. And he didn't really even utilize Jamar Chase. I would say Jamar Chase had one good game with Jake Browning. Mm -hmm. I, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's Really accurate. only had one or two big plays, yeah. truth and, be and, told. And, and Jake Browning was able to figure it out. They, they kind of changed things up, utilized the screen game. So I think Zach Taylor is capable of figuring it out without some of these said superstars. If you, if you lose T. Higgins, I think he can figure it out. I don't think Charlie. I don't. I don't think uh, Charlie Jones will be able to. Downtown uh, Charlie Jones. Downtown Charlie Jones will be able to replicate T. Higgins. I don't think Yoshi's as good as T. Higgins, 
But I think they can be serviceable. I think they can be utilized in a way that the offense is still productive. I, and, and, I, and I truly believe that. So I, I'm not concerned about Dan Pitcher being the offensive coordinator. I'm not concerned about anything other than what Reed says, and that is truly the most important thing is Joe Burrow has to be healthy this year. He has to be. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. I mean, do, do we really know? And, look, we, we, we probably shouldn't know because, you know, there's, there's this HIPAA thing out there. And, and look, we all want our, our, our health, you know, privacy. But – Look, I said this about the Reds injuries last year, and I'll continue to say it until I go to my grave, which might be this afternoon. I don't believe anybody when it comes to this stuff. I don't believe any of them. When they told us that Hunter Green was going to be missing 10 days, who was the first guy that told you around here, don't buy it? When they told you Lodolo, going to miss a couple of starts, right? No. I hope it's true, but I don't believe any of them. And it's not that they're deliberately lying to you. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not suggesting that Tim Kremchek with the Reds or the uh, Kettering team doctors with the Bengals um, are lying to anybody. I'm just saying I don't believe what they tell me. Those are two things can be right at the same time because they're only available to share with you so much. Burrow had made the comment about, oh, I'm hoping OTAs. Well, I hope he's right. But what if he's not? What if he's not? What if we drag into now, Casey, another year of training camp? No Joe Burrow to be found. Can't get him on the field. They came out and said this year, which I found to be very telling. I think most people let this one slip, you know, into Never Never Land. There were people, including Joe Burrow, who made the comment they wish they would have played in the preseason. They wish they would have gotten some reps in the preseason. There were a number of players on offense who said that. Not media, not former Bengals. No, these were current players. Okay, well, you got Burrow coming back. What if all of a sudden now... You know, we're drifting into training camp again. Here we go with this dance again, okay? And then we get into the whole, well, you can't play. You even said it. You can't play Burrow in a pro season if he's coming back from an injury, right? Okay, well, do you play him? If he's healthy and ready to go? He hadn't played football since November or October, whatever it was. That's why, you know, I don't know how anybody in their right mind can tell me that you're going to let, conceivably, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jonah Williams, Joe Mixon all walk out the door. You got a quarterback coming back from a very serious wrist injury, and people are not worried about the offense? The, well, the, well the, what happened to the Chiefs, Tom? This, we're not talking about the Chiefs. All, all I'm not, talking about the greatest one of the – Already Correct. one of the 10 Correct. greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league. Five. He's playing in the AFC championship game for the sixth straight season. He is never, N-E-V-E-R, he is never hurt. Right. He's won two Super Bowls and played in three. Don't compare the Chiefs to the Bengals well, because there is no comparison 
between the Chiefs and the Bengals. N-U-N, none. I don't want to compare the Chiefs to the you Bengals. You just brought them up. I want to be the Chiefs, Tom. Well, of course you do. I want to fall. This is what I'm talking about with, with the Cincinnati Bengals. This is where we find out what this organization, not just Joe Burrow, not just Zach Taylor, but this organization is made of. Can we, when you, when you pay a guy top dollar like the Bengals pay Joe Burrow, you fall into these problems that are, you're going to have guys that, that need to be paid. You can't pay them because of the salary cap. Guys are walking out the door. You're going to miss on some draft pick. All these things. Offensive coordinators, after success, they leave. you got to fill those replacements. When you succeed in this league, everyone wants a piece of you. Everyone wants the Jesse Bates. Everyone wants the T. Higgins. Everyone wants the Brian Callahan. Right. Other people want the damn pitchers. That's right. Can you keep some guys in the, the building? And can you replace them? When I say I want to be the Chiefs, Everything that we talk about with the Cincinnati Bengals has happened to the Chiefs. They lost their running back, Kareem Hunt. They lost their ty wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. They lost their left guard, Orlando Brown Jr. They lost their offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. These are all symptoms of succeeding in this league like the Bengals have with a healthy Joe Burrow for the last two years. Yep. So when I say... When I bring up the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not saying the Cincinnati Bengals are the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. I say I want them to be the Kansas City Chiefs, as every team in the NFL does. So, yeah, these are just problems. These are symptoms of success. How do you deal with them? And that's what the Bengals are going to have to, to figure out. Now, the one thing that I know is that if you've got an elite quarterback, you put yourself in front of the eight ball. You put yourself ahead of most teams in this league. And here in Cincinnati, we believe we have an elite quarterback based off what we've seen. Is there some injury problems? Is there some question marks about, about can he stay on the field? Sure. Because he's missed two, two halves of seasons mm -hmm. now. He has missed almost every preseason. Yep. There's some question marks there. But when he's out on that field, this team looks pretty dang good. So I'm not going to worry about the offense until I perceive that there's things to worry. If, if, if they come out in all of the all of the stop gaps that they've had, whoever they get to play right tackle isn't playing well. That's a worry. I'm going to worry then. If, if Dan Pitcher isn't scheming with Zach Taylor to get guys open, I'm going to worry then. Yeah. If whoever we have to replace T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd aren't catching passes, I will worry then. If Joe Mixon who doesn't come back or whoever we get to replace him – can't break a tackle. I'll worry then. But at this moment, if 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 nine's gonna be healthy, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Is he healthy? And, I, and you're right. There, there's some question marks about like why aren't we? Why don't we know enough about this off this injury? And we're not gonna learn anything about it. We don't we're, know. We're gonna find out when they start showing up when they're supposed to be there. Right. So that's that's why I brought up the Chiefs. That's I why I say I'm not. Worried. All right. All right. All right. All right. I just I, I look at you know I look at Kansas City and and and, and everything you just said is true. But the one, con the two constants, they can let an Orlando Brown Jr. walk out the door, and they go out and get a guy who's a younger version of him, that arguably this year was a better version of him. They they find a way to bring in offensive linemen, develop them, and and don't spend stupid money on them, and yet they get the most out of them. And here they are again. We talk about these elite quarterbacks, the Burroughs, the Jalen Hurts, the Justin Herberts. We talk about all these guys. Who's the one guy every year still standing? There's only one.
Your guy. My guy. Patrick Mahomes. That's Reed's guy. That's Reed's guy. He should be everybody's guy. Yeah. I mean, he is. He is. I mean, I think he proved a lot just this season alone. But, yeah, I mean, um, Bengals have lots of questions to answer. I think that when you have number nine, just like Reed said, it's you feel like you're in a pretty good spot. You're in front of the eight ball. I will say this, and I know that you'll probably go back to the you can't really trust what you hear, but Joe Burrow said that he expects T. Higgins back. I expect that he, the, they're, they're going to probably tag him. If they can't get a deal done, he'll be back. So there's that answer. Yep. And then the right tackle is a huge question mark. I know you don't want to go in the draft stuff, so we won't go there, but there are some options in free agency, and free agency is, what, a month away from now, Reed, yep. something like that? Right. Yep. So – yeah, we'll have to just keep an eye on uh, the more developments, see if there's any cuts, because there, there's another big deal that we have to talk about, too, is like, you know, we're not getting a, lot of whole, a whole lot of production out of guys that are getting paid a whole lot of money, like you said. I mean, the guard spot, center spot, the right end, or the left end spot, the third tackle, defensive tackle spot, yep. all those positions that we paid a lot of money towards aren't resulting in a whole lot of production, so... That's maybe something we also have to keep get ready for moving forward. And it makes you wonder, if, if not following the Chiefs' model on numerous uh, areas, they have put all of their draft pick stock into defensive players. They let the offensive guys walk out the door. They'll plug out a hole, Juju. They'll bring in, um, they'll bring in Scantling. You know, they'll, they'll bring in all these different guys. Some hit, some don't. They hit the lottery with the Rice kid this year, right? They still got Pacheco. They hit the lottery with him for sure. What's he, a seventh-round pick? Something yeah, like that? something like that. Right? So, I mean, but again, starts with the offensive line. But then they just go and they load up on defensive players. They got all pros all over the field in one year, just like that, after drafting them and yeah. developing them the last two years on defense. The Bengals yeah. don't have those guys. I mean, you can say that, you can say that what's his name? Um, Why well, am I drawing a blank on the corner? Taylor Britt. He's going to be a Pro Bowl player. Dax Hill a Pro Bowl player in another year or two from now? Eh. Um, uh, you know, Jordan Battle's all rookie. We'll he find all rookie. out. He was all rookie. Solid all-rookie player, right? I mean, we'll find out. Turner, we'll find out about all these guys. Miles Murphy, we'll find out about all of them. Yeah, the, the difference that you're saying there isn't really that we didn't focus on defensive players. That's not it at all. It's that they went out and got guys that would produce right away, that were starter-ready as soon as they walked in the door. Who did? The Chiefs versus the Bengals. The Bengals got guys that well. If you're were looking most of their marks. secondary and defensive line, though, though, those aren't those aren't free agent players. The Bengals have far more free agent players than the Chiefs on defense. Oh no, far no, no more. doubt. But just in the last couple of seasons, like we've focused heavily on the first couple rounds on defense, is what I'm getting at. Like, so, so yeah, when when the like, Bengals were on Joe Burrow's rookie contract, when they drafted Joe Burrow and they get T Higgins and Jamar, they used the draft to get offensive players. They use their free agent money to get yeah. defensive players. Von Bell, Hendrickson, all yes, those guys. That is completely switched yeah. now because yeah. they go, all right, well, now we got to put money on our offensive side because we like our offensive pieces. We're going to put money in Jamar Chase, yeah. Joe Burrow, some offensive line would, guys, and we will draft the defense. And I would argue, too, that the Chiefs were actually like that when Mahomes first entered in the league, too. I mean, they had the Honey Badger. They had Jadavius Ward. They had uh, the Frank Clark. They had a lot of guys that ended up walking out that door to go get deals other places. Um, the difference is the Bengals have 
kind of extended some of those guys, let them linger on a little bit longer than they probably should have. And now, uh, now we're having questions about Sam Hubbard and, and BJ Hill and maybe even our linebackers now. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tough spot. I, I think uh, they're in similar paths, but I guess they kind of took different trajectories, and now the Bengals are kind of paying for it at this very moment. You know, there's some people in the chat that are bringing up the Chiefs division. And look, there's no question the AFC North is better the last year. I think it's a tire take two, Tom. What's that? I think I think the the West doesn't get enough credit. Well, as well, I mean, all I'm saying is is you can really only say the AFC North has been a great division this year. I mean, because the Browns have traditionally stunk every year like clockwork, right? The Steelers have been basically a 500 game or two over 500 team for a number of years now. That's what they are right now. They haven't won a playoff game in forever, right? So don't tell me how great they are. They haven't had a quarterback since Ben Roethlisberger left there. When he was there, they were great. But, you know, and the Ravens, you know, look, when Lamar's on the field, they're the best team in the league. There have been a lot of games he wasn't the best player in the league. But I'm just saying, you can't cherry pick. You can't say the reason the Bengals' offense is not as good as the Chiefs is because of the division they play in. You, you, you can't say that because they have done it in their division when they put up those offenses that right. Reed referred to three years ago, two years ago. Okay? They put up all those numbers. They did those same things when they were playing all those teams uh, six times a year. Okay? I mean, the, the Chiefs division is, is not great, but it's not brutal. I mean, the, the Broncos weren't brutal this year. The Raiders weren't brutal this year. I don't think the Chargers are much, and they got a lot of issues, and we're going to get to them here in a minute when we talk about Harbaugh. But, I mean, look, was it as good this year? No. Last year, probably not. But you also have to remember that the Chiefs, like the Bengals this year, they play a first-place schedule every single year. They're playing the Eagles. They're playing the Bengals. They're playing the Bills. They are playing the Cowboys. They are playing fill-in 49ers. They're playing them all. Every single year. We, we act we act like the AFC West. When people go like the AFC West isn't very good. We act like it's one of the South divisions. Like the NFC South or like the AFC South was for the past few years. P- people use this same argument against Tom Brady for the longest time. Ah, uh, that AFC right. East isn't very good. Do, do you guys realize that those three teams in the AFC West have to play the Chiefs twice a year? Like go ahead and put two, two L's on their, on their record. Like J- Patrick Mahomes, look at his... His in-conference record. It's incredible. The reason that the AFC East was so bad for two decades is because they had to go up against the New England Patriots just bludgeoning their way through that through that division That's for right. two decades. So that matters. Also, like the AFC West has had a playoff team in like the, the Chargers made it last year and should have won that game against the Jags. And the Raiders played it two years ago and, and took the Bengals who went to the Super Bowl down to the wire. So like let's not act like that division. On top of this, there's now two Hall of Fame coaches in the AFC West on top of Andy Reid. There's Sean Payton that's going to restart that franchise with the Denver Broncos. And, oh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh now just entered the chat that's right. with Justin Herbert. So let's let's stop acting like the AFC West is, is some bad division. Cutter Thomas, great point here. He says, we're going to learn about this a lot about this team and about the Bengals Correct. roster this season, coming in with a fourth-place schedule. I mean, the schedule is a really good one for the Bengals. I mean, as far as, you know, 
And, and, and the thing I continue to bang the drum on over and over and over, and I am just, it blows my mind how nobody in this town seems to care. In a city where the baseball franchise, and look, this is done at 180, okay? Because for decades, everybody killed Mike Brown, right? And talked up whoever owned the Reds, mm -hmm. even though they never won anything, mm -hmm. okay? But Castellini would find some years to go out and spend some cash on the team. He has done that. Has it turned into success? No. But has he tried to do it? A lot of years, he has. Maybe not to the liking of a lot of the fans, but he has spent some seasons decent money. I am blown away by the number of people that just don't seem to care. And we talked about it a lot on the show. That don't seem to care when the Bengals are sitting 10, 15, 18, $20 million under the salary cap. I don't know how you can look a fan base in the eye and say we are trying to win when we are 18 or $20 million under a salary cap. You can go find one or two difference makers, and I used Jadavion Clowney as an example this past before it ever, the season ever started. Why not go sign him? Why not go sign him? Not going to cost you anything. Better give him $7 bucks. You're still 11 under the salary cap. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things, Tom, I, I'm getting more frustrated with it too because – the other teams, they do spend in the salary cap, and when they need to go get a guy, they get guys from their practice squad. A lot like what happened this year with the tight end position. And it's like, why do we not have the depth there? Why don't you trust any of those guys to come in and help fill in? Why do you have to have $10 million in cap space to just roll over the next year? You're never going to use it. What, when, when are you going to use that money? you got to use it now. It's all, it's all or nothing now, baby, because you wasted a year because Joe Burrow got hurt. Now we got we to gotta spend to the actual cap. I'm just amazed. I mean, look, you know, Mike Brown doesn't make himself available to the press. He does a little press conference and a sit down with all the writers and TV people uh, during training camp. Duke Tobin will not talk to anybody once the season starts, does no interviews. And I, and I have incredible respect for both of those guys at what they do and who they are and the kind of people they are. I, I, I really like Mike Brown a lot as a man. And I really like Duke Tobin a lot. I don't know him well. I don't know either one of them really well. But what I do know, I really like them both. I have incredible respect for Katie Blackburn. She's one of the most powerful women in the National Football League. She's grown up around this stuff. She knows what's going on. The business side, the salary cap, all of this kind of thing. She knows what she's doing. So you can't ask any of these people because they don't talk to the media once the season begins. You can't ask them, hey, you're $18 million under the cap. Why? I would just love to hear the answer to that question. Why? Based on what you just said, right? Yeah. You can't carry it into the next year. Well, you, ca you can. Well, just you know not, what not I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is by the $18 million you did not spend this year, you don't get an additional $18 million on your salary cap because you didn't spend it this year, and you can use it now next year. Right. It's only $10 million. It's only a certain amount that gets rolled over, and they never use it anyway, so it just doesn't matter. It's just always floating out there for no reason. It makes no sense to me. Uh, the great teams, they're able to find guys to elevate from their practice squad, and they go out and they do a serviceable job for the time that they are missing their players. So be it. I, I don't know. I I, I get more and more frustrated thinking about it because it's like we even had uh, Duke Tobin say that he's going to spin to the cap this year. 
And then we have 10 million left over just floating around for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. We yep. cut guys like Lyle Collins, who could have been great depth. I mean, we didn't need it uh, this year because the offensive line was healthy. But when does that usually happen? Yep. That's once in every, what, five-year venture that you have a year where you have no offensive lineman injuries. Yep. So, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. All right, let's uh, let's get to some ad reads. we got to talk about Jim Harbaugh a little bit here. This is the, the biggest story in sports today. It may not be here locally, but it's the biggest by far nationally in Harbaugh leaving Michigan. Um, won a national championship and now going to the Chargers. And uh, you were talking about it earlier. We'll get to, to, to your thoughts on this, Casey. They have a lot of major issues in, in with the Chargers about salary cap. They're way over. Yep. Right? They got to start cutting some guys. We'll get into all this. I think they're like 40 million over. Now, there's the flip side of it all, right? So you're asking Harbaugh to come in. Um, they're going to hire a general manager out there to, you know, who, who, you know, the owner is the guy who hired Harbaugh, Spanos. Those are the guys that hired uh, Harbaugh. And they're expecting results right now. But will his hands be tied that first year on the job? Or can he do what he did with San Francisco? They were a mess. They were a mess when he took over. And look what happened in short order. All right. Ad reads, and then back with Harbaugh. We got Chad Brendel coming up at 1130 today to talk about the UC Bearcats. Uh, no games until the weekend for UC or Xavier. I know you guys carried uh, covered the Xavier stuff yesterday. Mm -hmm. We didn't get into a lot of UC stuff. We still have not done our picks from last weekend. Um, and so we need to walk through some of those. You have a top five today, and we have a mailbag. Oh, That's yeah. correct. I want to hear our song again. I've missed it. That's right. It's, right. it's the best. Casey, take it away. All right, Tom. The Bengals Bearcats report, the future Bearcat report, by the way, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with the suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency. And I'm gonna make this up, 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 up. Productivity. Yeah, I guess productivity. Productivity. The path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. Let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. Mm. Pawnee water made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. use. The result is a healthy alkaline healthy. water, and some say the best tasting water best. in the world. Good Visit Pawnee water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Drink lots of coffee from UDF. Swish it down with some potty water and get your <laughs> technology solutions from Encore. The path, the path to healthy water begins here. Here, uh, Guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, as always, give us a, a like on the stream. Like. We, we, we uh, love you guys so much. Subscribe. Uh, comment yeah, after comment. the show. Not yeah, do that. We comment have some after the show. We have some videos. Yeah, tell uh, us what your favorite thing about this show was. Yeah. 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 Or your least favorite thing. Yeah. Tell us your least favorite thing, too. So yeah. we can – constructive criticism, please. Do you think the Bengals are better now than they were? Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> if you guys haven't been seen, follow at ChatterboxBets, right? That's, the That's right. At ChatterboxBets. Or at CBoxBets, yeah. Uh, at CBoxBets on Twitter. ChatterboxBets is the, the name on it. But uh, we've been 7-2. Seven 7-2 and two. Seven and two over the first three days, so on fire. That's pretty, imp That's pretty impressive. Casey's yeah. undefeated. So, Mr. 3-0. Uh, yeah, Mr. 3-0 and o over there. So we're having a lot of fun doing that. Um, there's some more uh, 
some other stuff. Um, Kirby had his uh, Chatterbox Reds That's last right. night, so be sure to they had a little check round table, a little round table discussion. I think he has a video coming out um, talking about Ellie De La Cruz. Um, Casey, put the Discord, put the Discord in the chat. Um, I got gotcha. We'll get that share link. Hop in the Discord. We have a lot of fun. Tom likes to make fun of it, but we have a lot of fun. Elliot likes to make fun of it, but we sit there and we chat all day. Just chit, chit, chat, chit, chat, chit, I chat. I come in the Discord every once in a while. Every once in a while. Well, like you're yelling at Mark for not put, play, putting his well, bets out there, and he puts his bets in the Discord. Yeah, but when you, when you share it to the public like he does, and again, Mark's one of the hottest gamblers on the planet right now. If, if oh, yeah. If you don't know Mark Fetters, you go follow him on Twitter. He's, he's red hot. But Mark, if he's going to post the result on x.com, uh, all his winners, and he, he has a winner every day. You got to share it with the Twitter people too. You got to do both. Well, I tailed Mr. Mark Fetters, and thank you, Mark, for that huge win last night. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, th not only is the Discord just the chat outside the show, but you get a ton of bets from everybody, and there's a lot of hot hands right now. Mark is just one of them at the current moment, and uh, yeah. Um, Definitely check it out. We have like 220 members? something members yeah, in the yeah. Discord. Yeah, so it's fun. it's fun. Yeah. Molly put in a fun chat. Reed talking about the Cubs is the worst. It will happen. Listen, guys, there's two things. Why would you write that about yourself? <laughs> Here's the thing about the my, my Cubs fandom is I have been beat down for my Cubs fandom by two people, my, my closest friends and all of you guys. You hate it oh so much. I would I, I could talk about the Cubs as, as passionately as I talk about the Bengals ten times over. But I just – you guys don't like it. You guys hate when I do it. So I try to build up as much uh, equity with you guys as I can. And, you know, come baseball season, I might just tear it down. We'll see what happens. But that's, that's months away. We'll have fun not talking about the Cubs for right now. Yeah, it would be fun if they came in last place. Hmm. Favored. Favored to win the division. That's wild. Why? They made one move. Yeah, but they were already the best team in the league, and they have the best farm system. But they weren't the best team because they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, well. So I guess that's semantics? or Correct. I think the Reds should go out and get Bellinger. That would be fun. Bellinger wants like 200 mil, I'm pretty sure. That's a, Pay that's it. A, it's a bold. Pay it. Yep, yep. Hey, you guys made fun of the Cubs last year for signing Bellinger to a $17 million deal when you guys went out and signed Frankie Montas to a $16 million deal. He got Good all, point. He got all of four outs last year. I'm sure that one will pay out. And, and you know what? The, the Brewers signed a guy for $32 million. He got exactly zero hits last year, but he was hurt. And so was Frankie Montas. So we'll see what happens. If the Reds stay healthy, World Series bound. That's a guarantee. I will, I will say something World about World Series bound. If nobody gets hurt, not one person, and misses any time whatsoever, the Reds are going to the World Series. That's a promise. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. Um, I saw – we were just talking about our Discord. Ricky Logan, I love you to death. He put in his uh, projections of all of the Reds' position players this year. He just spit it out there. Their home runs, their RBIs, their slash line, batting average, um, OPS, all that good stuff. And he had like the worst hitter being an all-star level, all-star level player. And he's like, I project this team to win 88 games. I was like, Ricky, if all of these guys hit like this, the Reds will win 110 games. He had like the worst hitter being Jonathan India, have batting 260 with a 380 on base percentage, yeah. and hitting 25 home runs and 80 RBIs, and that was the worst. Let guy the, in the fans, life. let the fans be optimistic here. Let the, <laughs> let give the fans some hope. God knows, Reds fans have earned a little bit of hope. Over the past 25 miserable seasons. They have. Hope and change. Been longer than 25. 30. Uh, no, actually, there haven't been miserable. They, they haven't all been miserable. The 2012 the club just choked. 
I mean, you can call it whatever you want to call it. They choked. When you're up two games to none and you win the first two games on the road, yeah. best of five, and you haven't lost three in a row at home all year long, and you lose three in a row, that is spitting the bit. End of story. Yeah, that's, that's end the, of story. That's the very worst feeling I've ever felt. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that was brutal. Um, okay, let's get into Jim Harbaugh here for a minute because, uh, look, this guy, you know, even more so strangely, or maybe to some not so strangely, the most coveted guy out there ahead of Belichick. Belichick's won six Super Bowls. Jim Harbaugh has won no Super Bowls. Harbaugh has won a national championship this year in college football in Michigan. Um, everywhere he's gone, he's won. We talked about it. Started his coaching career after he, he quit as a player. University of San Diego goes to Stanford. Had some good years there. Goes to the NFL, 49ers. Last year was 8-8. Eight and eight. Had some issues with ownership and the GM. Off he goes. Back to Michigan. Win, win. Well, not, I'm not going to say win, win. Because it was only about three and a half years ago, there were people wanting him fired at Michigan. He had gone 0-5 against Ohio State. Against Urban Meyer. And people are saying, this, this guy can't run with the big dogs. Right? On the college level. Well, you know, last three years he's beaten Ohio State. He's won the Big Ten Championship. Wins a national championship. And everybody and his brother wanted Harbaugh. All right. Um, let's start from Harbaugh's standpoint. He was pursued by everybody. Is this the job? Casey, I'll start with you because you're a football guy. Is this the job that he should have taken? Mm. All things being equal. Okay, we love the quarterback, or some people love the quarterback, right? right? Talented cat, no doubt about that, right? Right. Okay, but with all the other myriad of issues that that franchise has, okay, um, with being over the salary cap, some, some key players uh, entering free agency, it's basically going to be a roster overhaul for Hallball. Whereas in Atlanta, let's say, he doesn't have a quarterback, but you've got some nice pieces in the grand scheme of things in Atlanta compared to, to, to L.A. Right. So I was just trying to mess with some of these numbers here. They are $45 million above the cap yeah, right the now. The Chargers. The Chargers. Yeah. And they've got some huge contracts. Khalil Mack right now, um, he's got – a $38 million cap hit this year or this upcoming season. Uh, Joey Bosa is $36 million. Keenan Allen, 34 because they just kept pushing those contracts yep. back. And this is the, this is the thing that uh, you have to deal with when, uh, when you start doing that. Um, all those people that say the cap doesn't exist, well, this is where you're paying the price. Um, there's a couple things that they could do that I feel like maybe help alleviate that. I, d I wonder what sort of contract he got because if it's more long-term where he can actually start um, year one with a with basically like a, a mulligan, I guess. I mean, you could trade some of these guys. Like, you could probably get a huge haul for Joey Bosa. You could probably get a, a, a good, good trade deal for Khalil Mack, and you are very close to getting above the cap space. I think the issue is... There's really like four or five guys here. Cleo Mack, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and probably Corey Lindsey, that, that center that they have there. Yeah. Those five guys, those contracts are just so huge. It's really hard for me to see him being able to not cut or trade one of these guys to make it make sense because they're losing 
a ton of free uh, agents this season. Um, and it's just hard to build a roster when you're so strapped for cap. And I, I think, too, you know, like they, they don't have a great track record in drafting guys. Um, I think the Quentin Johnston draft, the last year's draft, was such a huge miss for the Chargers. Well, you know, but, but you got to wait and see on those picks. I mean, I think we're so quick to judge on, on, on a guy one year. You know, you, you don't know. I mean, there's some guys that come out and they're an instant hit. And there are other guys that, okay, maybe it's the first time they're, you know, now they're a professional. It's mm -hmm. a whole different lifestyle. You're on your own. You're not coddled like you were in college. I am by no means throwing in the towel on Quentin Johnston yet. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. Well, that, One all, year? Well, all that being said. I understand what you're saying, though. It was a yeah. miss this year. Yeah. Well, yeah. with all that being said, I do think he made the right decision. Because there's one very, very, very important part for a coach to get right. And that's the quarterback. And I think they got the quarterback right. I think they have Justin Herbert there. They can win a Super Bowl with Justin Herbert if they get the rest of the roster right. Now, that's the tough part. Um, can they get the rest of the roster right? I think they can. I mean, it's just this year that's really bad for them. 2024, uh, like I said, they're $45 million above the cap. Next year, they have $112 million to play with. Right. And they just got some monster contracts this year that's just really dragging them down. I'm sure they'll figure something out yeah. with a trade or, or cuts. Um, and this year will probably be tough. But following that, I think that they can really build out a good roster and put some talent around Justin Herbert to, to really win some ball games. Now, in terms of winning right away, I think you go to somewhere like Atlanta because that division's awful and – you get your choice in quarterbacks and you have a lot of uh, bullets in the chamber to go move up and get your guy in the draft, but there's never a guarantee like there is when you got Justin Herbert yep. as your quarterback. Yep. What do you guys think? Here's the thing about <clears throat> Harbaugh going to the Chargers. And I know they have all those problems that, that you laid out there and, and they do have some, some big, big, uh, big gaps to fill and, and some problems, the, some fires to put out. But the second that, good quarterback, good coach combination doesn't win in the NFL is when I have to rethink what I think about the league. And I think Jim Harbaugh, I think he's one of the best five football coaches in the world right now. Mm -hmm. I think Justin Herbert is an elite talent. I Obviously, we haven't seen him have the postseason success that other, that other quarterbacks have had, but during the regular season, he looks absolutely unbelievable. He can do things with the football that very few quarterbacks can do. So the second – so if you're asking me how Jim Harbaugh is going to do in, with the Chargers – I think that's just another pillar in the pantheon of those these AFC teams that are very, very good. I mean, the AFC truly is a gauntlet, and this is just another piece. I do think it's surprising that with uh, Harbaugh having his pick of the litter on these uh, of these teams, he decided to go to the team that's in the same division as the Chiefs. That's certainly interesting, but it's the best quarterback available. And as I mentioned, good quarterbacks, good coaches, they win in this league. That's almost – that's over half the battle is getting those two figured out. So – I think this is absolutely going to be – I think Jim Harbaugh is going to turn this thing around immediately because that's what he's done everywhere he's gone. Yep. That's what he's done everywhere he's gone. If, I, if, if Herbert can stay healthy, they'll be great. Yeah, I believe – Eckler is going to be a free agent, right? Is that what I'm seeing, Casey? Yep. Yeah, I think Eckler has gone. I think Gerald Everett's gone. Uh, Guyton's gone. A lot of guys are gone um, from the Chargers, which is probably be a good thing for him. I think this is going to be a reset. I think this is going to be about a one- to two-year rebuild, most likely just one year. I think this next year is going to be bad. You get through it. Really? Yeah. 
I think I think their schedule. I, I think if you get through this year, and they can still make the playoffs. Hell, we thought the Texans were going to be terrible. Their their over under was six wins. They 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 made the divisional round. So what do I really know? That's the best. That's the best part about the NFL is parity. But like, like Reed says, he chose there because he has the best quarterback available. And, and this is no JJ McCarthy situation. He's and I say that with love and respect. He's going to be able to air the rock out. And, and, and that's what the Chargers are going to try to do. I think, I think this year is more of a rebuilding year. They're going to get it reset in, in Los Angeles. It, do, it, is, it is frustrating that he picked a place that doesn't have any fan base whatsoever. But uh, that, I guess he's, he's going to try to grow that as well. I think that that's, that's a part of it too. So uh, I, good, for, good for Jim Harbaugh. I think it makes the league much more fun with him in it. I would have liked to see him go to the NFC. Personally, 100% would have liked to see him to go to the NFC, but uh, you know, you're looking at the, the Chargers schedule just next year. They play a, a fairly easy schedule. You look at their division, and I know Tom, you and I just talked up yep. that we think the AFC West doesn't get enough credit, but you know, they got to play the Chiefs two times. Those are two tough games, but like the Broncos and the Raiders both don't have a quarterback at this very moment. So that's pretty, they play the NFC South, the worst division in football. They play all, all four of those teams. Now they do play the AFC North. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Yep. But then you look at uh, the other teams that they play based on their uh, fourth place schedule. They play the Titans. They play the Patriots. They play the Cardinals. Those are all very winnable games for the Chargers. Like this team, not only could win or could make the playoffs. I mean, this could be a double digit win team. This could be like an 11, 11 win team with, I mean, just any competence between like a healthy uh, Justin Herbert and, and Jim Harbaugh turning this thing around. Like this team already is a formidable opponent. I'll ask you this. Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers and presumably Bill Belichick with the Falcons. Who wins more games next year? I would think that uh, Belichick, if he goes to the Falcons. But that's that's my next question. Is is it a slam dunk now? The Falcons have interviewed Belichick twice. They interviewed Harbaugh twice. Clearly, those were their top two guys. Mm -hmm. They've got an owner in Arthur Blank. He's getting older. He's got stupid money. He's one of the wealthiest owners in the league. Um. This guy wants to win a Super Bowl. He's been to a Super Bowl when they had Matt Ryan there, but he's not won one. Um, they have to get Belichick now, right, Elliot? I mean, it, you have to get Belichick. Without question, without question. If you do not, uh, and I say this with love and respect, that organization is, is, is dead. Because they, right now they don't have a quarterback. They don't have any quarterback whatsoever. That's so all they're missing. What was that, what was that laugh? I said they're, they're, they'd be fine. Like Without they'd... Belichick? What yeah, are they, they'd what are still they, be what, a good team what, without what Belichick. Yeah, they're, they're only missing a quarterback. Well, I mean, that's a big piece. I know, but that's I'm a just... massive piece. They're also missing a head coach that doesn't blow twenty-seven to three leads. So I, I do think that Bill Belichick going there can save that franchise. I do think, and Reed, Reed hates Bill Belichick. He's all the way out on Bill Belichick. He's all the way out on Bill Belichick. I think Bill Belichick is without question still the best coach in in the NFL. I do think that Bill Belichick should go to Atlanta. I do think that. I think their defense was already really, really good. And I think him going there would make it even 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 more better. It just would be phenomenal. Um, just wait and see. I had the same th- feeling about the Lions, about the Atlanta Falcons. They have a really good roster on the defense. Really, the only thing that they're missing is quarterback. I really do truly believe that. They have the eighth pick in the draft, I think. And they've got plenty of ammo, like I said, to go up and trade for whatever, get their guy that they want. Um and if it's Bill Belichick, he's going to want to try to go all in because he's no doubt he 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 doesn't have much time left either. So he's got a chance to become the all-time leader in wins, right? right? And that's what some people are speculating: like, how much is this like 
does he want to keep coaching or does he just kind of want to get get over that hump of all-time leader in wins? I have a hard time believing that Bill Belichick's ego is I'm with you. Is uh is pushing his drive yeah. to continue coaching. I don't know. I'll put myself on an island here for some reason just based off what I saw with the New England Patriots in the past 3 years and you know, they just continued to get worse and worse after Tom Brady left. I I just I just don't think that the 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 Bill Belichick in a new in a new town is going to work. I don't know why. I mean, he's he's more than deserved to be considered the greatest coach of all in, in, in the league's history. He's more than deserved that, right? Six Super Bowls. Yep. No one's even come close to that. But for some reason, I just get this weird feeling that it's not going to work in Atlanta. Well, look, uh, winning, you can become a very popular person. It doesn't matter who you are. If you come in there and win, they're going to love you. And they love football in Atlanta, but it's not a great sports town. It's really not a great sports town. Um, and if you go in there and win, you'll be the guy. Can I throw a scenario at you to see sure. what you think? So I love Bill Belichick going to Atlanta. What if he brings Kirk Cousins with him to Atlanta? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a big article today in The Athletic about the pros and cons of Minnesota signing Cousins. Mm-hmm. They're re-signing Cousins. There are pros and cons. And, you know, you, you walked away from the article thinking, eh, you know, based on the owner's comments – Based on the coaches and the general manager's comments, you could flip a comment, flip a coin, you know, flip a coin. I mean, Cousins has played on some pretty good teams, and and he can't do anything in the postseason. Not a thing. Not a. But bit. he's better than Des Ritter, and he or That's anybody else they got a right. hell of a lot. Better. He's he's pretty good in the regular season. I do have to recant something. Mister Mo told me that he agrees with me on the the Bill Belichick and Atlanta thing. So I take everything I said back. Bill Belichick's going to win the Super Bowl next year because me and Mister Mo can't agree on anything when it comes to football. Huh. Uh, which of the NFC North quarterbacks that have been linked to the Atlanta Falcons would be more exciting? Kirk Cousins, you know, 35-year-old Kirk Cousins, who's had a lot of success, or Justin Fields? Because Justin Fields has been linked to the Falcons as well. Who do you think will— Well, I mean, if, if everybody believes that Belichick wants to win and wants to win right now, then you got to go get Cousins. Right. But if you're saying to yourself, okay, we have a chance to really build something here. you got Robinson. you got a young tight end. you got a lot of really young, exciting players on that team. And defense as well. And, and, of course, it would all come down to how do you view Justin Fields if, indeed, the Bears are going to cut him loose and let him go. I mean, there's still all kinds of talk about that. Nobody knows for sure. You can, you can read the tea leaves on, well, they changed this guy, and they changed that guy, and they, made a ch- they kept the coach, but they changed the coordinator. And, you know, all these kinds of things, nobody knows, except for Karen, Kevin Warren, the president, the general manager, and the coach. They're the only ones that know, the people inside that room, what they're going to do and whether they're going to go the Caleb Williams route. That's going to be one of the most interesting moves in the offseason, without a doubt, uh, along with where does Belichick end up? Where does, what about some other? What about Vrabel? Where does he end yeah. up? Um, there, there's some good guys out there right now, and only one of them's off the board right now with Harbaugh. What do you think happens, and again, not to, not to backpedal here, what do you think is going to happen with Michigan going forward? It seems like, and again, uh, Harbaugh had to leave. This was the only decision he had left, really. Yep. Because there, were, there are going to be some sort of penalties that are brought down upon them. Yep. Do you think he left them high and dry? Do you, what, what, what happens with Michigan going forward? They're national champions, but you lose your head coach, 
and you have the the cloud of, of a whole lot of investigations going on around you. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he is leaving in a similar type of situation that Pete Carroll left USC in. Almost identical. Carroll had been a pro coach like Harbaugh. He comes to the college, one of the most elite decorated programs of all time. In Carroll's case, of course, at Southern Cal, at Michigan, Harbaugh's alma mater. They both go on to win national championships. Carroll won a couple. But when he left... I mean, you talk about, they've never been the same. Think about that for a minute. If you want to put it into perspective, the University of Southern California has burned through half a dozen coaches since Pete Carroll left, right? They had Sarkeesian. They had Lane Kiffin. They had Clay Helton. They have Lincoln Riley. They've had two or three other guys in there since Pete Carroll left. And while they've had a good year here, a good year there, They've never been to a college football playoff, not one time. So USC has never recovered. And they have spent tens of hundreds of millions of dollars to try and right the ship. And I mean, they're a huge question mark now for this year. They've got guys leaving in the draft. They got... The backups who were supposed to take over, quarterback, leaving to go in the portal. And everybody's going, what has Lincoln Riley done? He had the best quarterback in the country. Okay, well now let's look at the year Harbaugh's leaving. Off a national champion. By the way, one footnote to the Pete Carroll thing. It was so bad there, they took away Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. Yep. Took away the dude's trophy. Do you think he made a fake? <laughs> Knowing him, I doubt it. But, but, but now you look at Harbaugh, okay? Everybody off that Michigan team is walking out the door. Everybody who's anybody, right? They got offensive linemen. They got defensive players. Corum, the running back, gone. J.J. McCarthy declared for the draft, gone. We've talked about their recruiting class. It's been abysmal. Hadn't been great the last few years, and they've still, they've still developed players and done a good job. Great job. Won the whole thing. But what if, what if there are two investigations now going on around the Michigan football program, the sign-stealing allegation and another one involving some computer. And I don't even understand what the deal is there, but the FBI is involved in the other one. What if they hand down, let's say they don't take away any wins or vacate a national championship, but let's, let's say they say, okay, we're going to reduce your scholarships by X amount. Let's say we're going to ban you from a postseason bowl game for two years. I'm just throwing them out there, hypothetically. I'm not saying that is going to happen. I'm not saying it should happen. But let's just hypothetically play this game for a minute. I think a lot of us forget after Lloyd Carr left Michigan, Michigan's football program was an unmitigated disaster go look at the numbers whether you're talking about rich rodriguez or you're talking about brady hoke 
I mean, they went 15, 18 years. Michigan, arguably the top three biggest brand there is in college football. It's a bigger brand than Alabama. Not the success of Alabama, but a bigger brand than Alabama. They flat out stunk. Even Harbaugh's first two or three years there, they were talking about firing a guy. Urban Meyer's running circles around this guy, putting 60 points on the board against this guy. Don't think for a second that just because Harbaugh leaves, and you're going to read about all about Sharon Moore and how great he did last year, and you will never be able to take that away from the man. And he might turn out to be the next Nick Saban. I have no idea. But anybody who thinks that Michigan's going to pick right up especially the possibility of staring down the barrel at some kind of NCAA punishment, that thing could fall apart in a heartbeat. I agree. And I don't want it to happen because I think it's good for college football when Michigan's good. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think it's really good for college football. There are certain teams out, and the same can be said for USC. College football is better when USC is good. This year, Texas was good. College football is better when Texas is good. Right? That's right. Same thing with Ohio State. The Alabama thing's going to be interesting because people forget how bad they were. Oh, boy. How bad they were after Gene Stallings left. And you had the Mike Shulas of the world, among others, that came rolling through there. All right. It's time to bring in our buddy Chad Brendel. We haven't talked to him since the new year. So, Chad... An official Happy New Year to you, young man. How you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, one, one of the things I love, and I've told you this about listening to you when you fill in over on the radio, which is a pretty regular basis, that music, I wish we could run it. You can run that music at iHeart. We can't do that here. It bums me out. I, I, I wish you could as well. I mean, it was always when the Zebra used to, to produce that show, he struggled a little bit. He's not as familiar with 90s hip-hop as he needed to be, but he got there. Took him a little time, but he got there. Zebra, any comment on that? Well, I tried, and, I, and again, I've talked with Chad about this. I tried to play early 2000s country music, and it just didn't have the same vibe. So Chad Chad instructed me. We had a, we had a long sit-down after one of the shows. I think he hosted Sports Talk one night uh, on, on 700, and he said, Elliot, you got to be better. You just got to be better at this, and, and I've tried. So, Chad, thank you very much for teaching me uh, the art of good music. Sometimes you just have to be better. That's right. Sometimes you have to be better. <laughs> I mean, but you pull out stuff, you know, that, that, that 90s for me wasn't the same because I'm older than you are, Chad. So, you know, I mean, that 90s for me was a different kind of time. I mean, so you're pulling out stuff, and, I mean, I've shot you a text before, and I've said, man, <laughs> what was that song? What was that song? What's the one you always play? That you are when you first start. Uh, I love that international song. players anthem. What's it called? International players anthem by UGK and Outcast. There you go. You're a big Outcast guy. Love Reed. Outcast. Love Outcast. Big Outcast guy. Okay, but that I mean, you know that that Chad that hip hop, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you know my kids are now in college. Okay, you have a younger daughter. Right. That's not quite that age yet. Right. Okay. But the, you know, when you listen to, and I always grew up as a big Motown guy, right? I actually saw the Jackson five in concert 
when I was like seven years old living in Virginia Beach, Virginia, back when Michael Jackson was Michael Jackson, okay? Um, so I've always grown up and loved that. But, 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 but the 90s hip-hop had still some of that in there, that soul right. sort of R&B feel. The stuff my kids listen to now, and I know I sound like an old man because I am an old man, it, 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 there's nothing similar to that kind of music. Am I right on that? No, you're right. Like uh, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Outkast. Like there was a lot of still that old yep. influence, and it doesn't it doesn't unfortunately exist anymore. I wish it All did right. because yeah, I wish, that, that I was wish my, it did that's too. my stuff. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. I love it. All right, I want to get to the. Um, uh, we were talking about college football and, and talking about Harbaugh. You follow college football religiously. You follow the UC Bearcats. We'll get to them in a second. But I, I'm interested in your take on what we were just talking about in regards to Harbaugh. People forget how bad Michigan was there for a long, long time yeah. and how bad USC has been really since Pete Carroll left. I mean, they're not what they used to be. Could you see this happening at Michigan again? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty fine line um, th that they're going to have to walk because they didn't recruit Ohio very well. Uh, for a long time. And that has always been kind of a staple of what they, they were able to do to be successful. Um, Harbaugh, because of his ties to the NFL, kind of opened up some doors for them uh, on the recruiting trail that that I don't know that Sharon Moore, if that's what direction they end up going, everything seems to point that way. Uh, he's going to be able to just jump right in and, and not miss a beat on the recruiting front. I, I think there's going to be some momentum lost uh, there. And as soon as, I mean, the, I've heard talks of, you know, maybe Jesse Minter heading out to uh, to L.A. To, to rejoin Harbaugh. That defense has been kind of the key to what has yep. made Michigan great. Anymore, with the transfer portal and, and the way things work, it could fall apart quick. I mean, if they keep more, they'll probably keep it intact for a little while. But keeping that train rolling at the, the rate that they've had it going is not going to be easy. Now, do I think they're going to fall off a cliff? Probably not. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a challenge for them uh, over the next two years or so. Okay. Uh, let's shift gears to UC football before we get to basketball, which everybody's talking about these days around here. Uh, what's the offseason been like? I know, what, 10, 12 guys in the portal here, recruiting class. What, what is the state of UC football here in, in really the first full offseason under Satterfield? I think there's been some pretty good momentum. Um, you know, the, the, with the guys that you were able to retain, Dante Corleone, Luke Kandra, you know, uh, Mason Fletcher, um, you kept a group, a core group of leadership that I think is going to be necessary to take the next step forward. Um, I, I know, you know, there's been comparisons all over about the Tuberfield era equaling what we're seeing here in the Satterfield era. And I don't think that's it. I think if you're looking for the comparison, it's Butch Jones. Butch Jones' first team went four and eight. And then they reorganized. They got their leadership group together. They didn't have people that were still kind of pulling in that Brian Kelly direction, and they went on and, you know, split a Big East championship the next year. Do I think this team's going to split a Big 12 championship next year? Probably not. 
But um, I, I do think they are starting to set their foundation. And then they went out in the transfer portal and filled a bunch of needs. They had a ton of needs in the in the defensive secondary. They had needs at linebacker, wide receiver, running back. You know, and, and they went out and, and improved the roster. You know, th this is how college football works now, Tom. Every year you take the bottom of your roster and you – politely uh, have conversations with them about their future with the program. And you try to fill what you move on in the bottom of your roster with guys in the top to middle of the roster. And it looks like that they, they did a good job in that direction. And that's the only way you get better quickly in college football now is you have to have more top to middle of the roster guys. All right, let's shift gears to the basketball team. Uh, your BCJ uh, podcast, you talk about it all the time. I, I, I want to – look, I'm not telling you anything you know. You've forgotten more about what's going on with UC basketball. I, I mean, I've always been a UC guy going back to when I did the games on television, okay, back when Hugs was here in the whole nine yards. The, the, the vibe around the program, I think, from an interest standpoint – from a, an enthusiasm standpoint, I think it's as high as it's been since Huggins left here. I think that there is a great amount of enthusiasm and hope for this program here in what has been so far the first year of the Big 12. But as we know, so far it's been a losing record in the Big 12. They had four losses in January, I think by a total of 13 points. What? At the end of the day, what needs to change and change right now for this Bearcat team to start winning these games instead of just good enough to lose? Well, they did, to be fair, the first six opponents were all ranked teams. Yeah. So uh, four and two, is it feels like ultimately things, we'd be looking at this a lot different if they would have gotten one of Oklahoma or Texas. Yeah. Because it, it felt like those games were, were there. Those were teams that were equally talented, but but Cincinnati was was at home. They they needed to win one of those two, and we'd be having probably a much different conversation. Um, the biggest thing I see right now is consistency on offense. Because there are too many the the splits are too wild. You know, there, there's basically there's been three really good games offensively. And three games that are just under 40% from the floor, under 20% from the three-point line, you know, 50-60% from the free throw line, 16, 17 turnovers. And in this league, that's going to burn you more often than not. And, and the crazy thing is, if you think about it, we're not talking about in those games where they were off that they have to make some sweeping improvement right because the numbers are terrible and they're losing by one possession or two possessions so that tells you one made open three one made you know uh, one or two more layups finished at the rim um and, and this team is looking at, at a much different light now the schedule i don't want to say it lightens up because there is no lightening up in this league but the schedule is not the gauntlet that they went through in the first six games but the bottom line is you've got to get over the hump. You've got to figure out 22 seconds left, game on the line, who gets the ball, who wants the ball, and is going to be able to go make a play. And 
I think they are still figuring some of that out with a, a fairly new team. Um, but it's got to happen quick because the longer it takes to happen, the more the math starts struggling to math. You know, yep. like if they don't get both of these next two, the numbers, you know, I think they need to get to nine to, to feel like an NCAA tournament team. And through six, they've got two. So you got 12 left, and you got to get seven and five out of that 12. West Virginia on the road next week, UCF at home Saturday. If you're not four and four after that, you got to go on a hot streak. Uh, in a, in, you know, you got Houston twice, Oklahoma again. Um, at TCU. Iowa State, Kansas State, at TCU. Yep. So you start doing the math and, you know, the, the numbers don't really add up. So it, it, it's frustrating because they've been close. But there is a path forward if they can get these next two under their belt. And then at four and four, you feel pretty good over the final ten, you know, that, that you can get to five and five. Okay. Uh, tell me one thing that, that, that in your conversations with players or just your observation in general, tell me something we've learned about Wes Miller this year with better talent, better team. What have we learned about Wes Miller this year that we didn't know last year? He fully embraces Bearcat basketball. What, what has this team done in the Big 12? They have defended at an elite level. And they have hit the glass. Yep. And 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 rebounded the snot out of the ball. And I don't know. I mean, for the 30 years that UC basketball has been prominent in my life, those were the staples. Yep, those were the non-negotiables. Yep. Play hard, defend, rebound, and you're going to give yourself a chance far more often than not. And that's what this team looks like. So, you know, it's um it's still a progression on offense. I think, you know, you're still getting that higher level of talent into the program uh, as you transition from the American to the Big 12, which is necessary because, like, if you watch these other teams in the Big 12, they've all got a, a dude. They've all got a guy that you have to fear is going to put 25 on you uh, every night out. And um, I don't think Cincinnati quite has that yet, but they make up for it in those areas, and that's UC basketball. And I think if you're a UC fan, that's what you, you don't want to lose your identity. You don't want to lose what made you, you know, one of the 10, 15 best basketball programs in America. And I think Wes has shown this year he's up to that challenge of my teams are going to do the things that are non-negotiable. All right, Chad, we always thank you for uh, your availability to come on and join us today. We thank you so much today. Hope you and your daughter are doing well, and it's great to see you again, my friend. Be well. Great to see you, too. It's uh, it's almost uh, AAU volleyball season. So. Ooh, that means you'll be traveling all over the place, right? Yeah, we're in Indy. I'm not even going to – I don't think I'm going to get to make the game Saturday because we start at 8 a.m. Saturday morning, and I think yeah. her last game potentially is at 7 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of friends. Uh, my son did the lacrosse thing, but they don't play games like that, like uh, like volleyball does. They do. They, they no, they just churn day. them out all day, all, all day, day long. All right, I'm sure you're pleasant to be around. 
by the time you hit about four or five in the afternoon on those days? I'm pretty quiet. We actually have an awesome group of parents. Okay. Um, that are you don't get a little edgy. You don't get a little eh. eh. No, not really. Not really. As long as they're playing pretty well, I don't. I'm I'm pretty quiet. My dad was like my dad was always the guy that would sit out. I I played baseball. Won a won a city championship. Not whole. Uh, but he would be the guy that would sit out in like right field by himself and just watch games. And I, I don't, I don't make a lot of noise when I watch games. I like to observe. I'm learning, still learning volleyball. Yes. Yes. God, I wish I would have been like that. Same. I wish my dad would have been like that. Quiet I told him to shut up in the middle of a game. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Chad, Maybe that was my dad's plan. He sat out in right field so they couldn't hear it. Well, that's probably, <laughs> it's probably a very smart move on his part. Very smart. <laughs> Chad, have a good day, Thanks, man. Guys. Nice seeing you. Love you, Chad. All Thank right, you. so yep. this weekend you got the UC Bearcats will be playing UCF. And, you know, it's funny. He just said there's no layups in the conference. Yeah, UCF has beaten Kansas this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, UCF's not ranked. But, you know, you, you look at some of the teams that they've beaten and some of the teams they're competing with in this conference, they're a lot like UC in a lot of ways. I'm not saying style of play. Those kinds of things. I think UC has a better team. But they have played quite well compared to what most people thought they would in their first year of the Big 12 Conference. This is no pushover. No, I. but the, here's the thing about UCF, and, and I say this with love and respect. Um, their last performance, I believe it was their last performance, they shot 7 for 44 uh, from, the, from the field. That's 15%. They scored 42 points. They scored 42 points against Houston. So they have the ability offensively to just be one of the worst teams you've ever watched. That is where UC needs to take advantage of. UC has been incredible defensively all year long. This is a game where you don't let them score at all. Don't let them score at all. UC can win this game scoring 50 points. That is how bad they've been. That's how, they, that's how bad they've been offensively. So, but saying that, Tom is right. Any game in this conference – is not a walkover, not a pushover. So UC has to show up, and they can't treat it like it's a bye game. I mean, look, look at some of their games just here, okay, over the last, in the month of January, right? They beat Kansas 65-60. to 60, That was at home. They go on, they, they come back home, they play BYU, they only lose by five, right? They beat Texas at Texas. Yeah. And scored 77. When you just look at their scores, you're right about their offense. It looks like their defense, and we'll know more about UCF tomorrow uh, and this team and the matchup because we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But, I mean, they're hanging in there is the bottom line. Yep. They're hanging in there. And I think most people thought, even UC fans, we saw what happened to UC in the football season, and we thought the, the football team was going to compete in a Big 12, right? I did. Well, okay, yeah. And, I mean, it was, it was a disaster. I think everybody felt like these American conference teams walking into the Big 12 was an automatic train wreck. It, UC's played well. UCF has played well. We knew Houston would play well. They're a top five team. But even BYU coming into the league, they've played very, very well. Yeah. I, and you look at UC football, that, that schedule, it was a pretty winnable schedule. Yes, it All was. things considered. It was a pretty... Like, if your first season in the Big 12 was that schedule, you'll take that 10 times out of 10. The basketball schedule, on the other hand, nobody wanted it. I certainly didn't. I didn't think UC would be losing six ranked or, or playing six ranked games, losing four of them by a combined 13 points. 
They have outperformed my expectations by a wide margin. They are a good basketball team. They are a solid basketball team. At some point, uh, and Reed makes his stupid little jokes about moral victories, at some point, the moral victories have to stop, and you have to win these games. And there's no and there's no bigger test than that on Saturday. You have to take advantage of UCF here. You have to beat West Virginia, who is reeling. And then after that, we'll see what happens. Because I, I don't expect I still don't expect this UC team to go on some magical March run. I don't think they're there yet. But they are so close. They are close to being that team. And Chad said it just then. A, a consistency on the offensive side of the ball. It, it's it's a it's a. It's like they flip a coin to decide who wants to score the more, who wants to score the most points on a given night. Sometimes Skillings will drop twenty-seven. Sometimes he drops zero. That's right. And that can't happen. That can never happen. Simus Simas Lukosius again. He's he's played a, a better season than I would have thought possible for him. But at the end of the day, he's not a great player. He 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 can shoot. He's the best. He's the best shooter on the team, which isn't saying much. Uh, from it feels like he, from three point land, he's one of the only two guys that can can make a three point shot. But still, he's not great. And the big men have been uh, have been okay. I would say they they've rebounded the ball well. Defensively, they've been solid. Offensively, they've been terrible. I I, I really don't like what Aziz is offensively. Victor Locken, he goes in and out uh, again on the offensive side of the basketball. And Jamil Reynolds, God love him. I don't think he wants the basketball in his hands on the offensive side. So we'll, we'll see where we are going forward. But as of right now, as of this moment, West Miller has constructed a team that not only deserves to be in the Big 12, but can win in the Big 12. You know what's interesting? I, I love the way he put it because I, I, I love to be able to look at games, something on a weekend. Maybe you don't follow UC closely. Maybe you don't follow Xavier closely. But I love when somebody puts into perspective like Chad just did about the rest of their season. Yeah. Right? And some people believe they could get to eight wins and get in the tournament. He just said nine. Okay? So if, if you look at it that way, these next two games, as he just pointed out, I mean, these are games you got to have. You got to have them. You got UCF at home, and you go to West Virginia. Now, UCF just beat West Virginia on their home floor yep. just a couple of nights ago at Morgantown. And they're not the hugs, Morgantown. It's night and day. But, you know, look, these next two games are huge for them. You know, you jump over to the other side of town, okay, and you look at Xavier. Okay, now, Xavier had back-to-back must-win games this past week when yep. they had two home games against, you know, a couple of teams that you know, don't even belong in the same breath with them. They nearly lost the game. Uh, against Georgetown, but they won it. That's all that matters. Now, all of a sudden, they are looking for, you know, I, I heard some people talking about Xavier needs that signature win. They need a hell of a lot more than a signature win. I mean, if they go beat UConn this week, let's just say, for example, I mean, the number one team in the country. Right, on the road. That makes Xavier 11-9 and nine right. on the season. If they just continue to, to, to fool around, win one, lose one, win two, lose two, the rest of it, they're not going to the tournament. They need a lot more than – they're not going to the NCAA tournament with one good win the whole year. Yeah, losing to Creighton. I mean, they were up 58-51 um, at the 10-minute mark. That's right. 
and, and losing to Creighton. Like, this would have been, if they would have gotten two, week, two, two wins on the road against ranked opponents, first playing in front of 17,000 people at, at Creighton, and then going up to UConn, beating the number one team in the country, the reigning national championships at their house, then, yeah, they certainly would have firmly put themselves into very serious tournament talk, right? But, yeah, I mean, they dug themselves a hole that I'm just afraid that they can't get out of because they lose because they lost those two teams at home early on in the year. Like, if they, if they would have won those games, we wouldn't be talking about this season being dead, right? That's right. We wouldn't be That's talking about That's exactly it. right. If they win those two games— They'd be 13-7. and They'd be 13-7 and seven with a chance to, to beat UConn on the road, and, and you win a couple games. But now that they've just dug themselves such a hole that, I, that I'm afraid they can't get out of, is it insurmountable? No. But, I mean, they're still playing good basketball. They just they just had a bad sequence around the 8 minute right. mark against Creighton. If you watch that game, they, they were playing very well in the second yep. half. They just had a really bad sequence there, about a two-minute sequence uh, right at the 8-minute mark, and they just couldn't come back from it. So, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Xavier. I've, I've brought this up before on the show that um, I feel like I can give – and this is me being, being honest here as a sports talk show guy – I feel like I can give honest takes about about uh, baseball. I feel like I can give pretty insightful things about football. When it comes to basketball, I watch it with the enthusiasm of a five-year-old. I'm, my dad's he knows basketball in and out, went to play college basketball, and uh, just never bestowed knowledge down on me. So I watch it. I'm just like, hey, put the ball in the hole. Go stop it on the other end. So when it comes to breaking down what Xavier needs to do, I'm not your guy, but you know I watch them every night. Love them, and uh, I mean, hopefully they're going to win on the road in, at UConn. They can make free throws, which I give Xavier credit to that. They certainly can. They can do that. About I'll tell you what, the city of Cincinnati kills it in the moral victory departments. Oh yeah, they do. I mean, we 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 Xavier um, taking on Purdue, Houston covering against Purdue, Houston, Creighton, and UConn. Uh, Cover machines, UC, baby. You see, going to the Big Twelve and cover machines. Just if, moral victory after moral victory. You know what we should do? We should combine teams, Xavier and UC. We make them one super team because I'm telling you right now, if UC had Quincy, yeah, I think he's shooting like 48 percent from three point land on like 150 shots. So that that guy's that guy's a superstar. But if we were to join a super team, we'd be the best team in college basketball. I don't know. UConn's pretty good. No, nah, we beat UConn. UConn's pretty good. We beat UConn. We'll Tom, we got to get Darren Horn on here at some point. We do. Uh, no, they're playing tonight. Uh, they're playing tonight. They're the same record as Xavier. I think they're eleven and nine. Xavier's ten and nine. They, they're eleven and nine. They play tonight. But look, for a team like them in the conference that they're in, we know the drill. There's only win. one way to get in. Right. You got to win. End of story. You got to win the, the postseason tournament because. Now, i tell you one team we never talk about. Maybe we ought to reach out to them because people tell me that I've watched them play, and I have not. People tell me that Dayton is a legit team. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. They're their top 20 in the country. They, I mean, they're, they're, they don't need to win their tournament. I mean, they're in. Uh, I think if they keep playing like they're playing, you're right. That's what made me think of them is that they, like they're, they, like a they're a team that maybe seed. not have to win their tournament, and they get in. I think Sean told us yesterday Lenardi had them as a four seed. I was going to say, they're like a four seed. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're legit. They're legit. And so all of a sudden, that, that, that loss to them, even though it was a very ugly loss, that, that, that UC loss to Dayton, and it wasn't a home game. It was played in Cincinnati, but everybody that was there was telling you. I had a couple of buddies of mine. They said it was 50-50, maybe even more than that pro-Dayton than it was UC when they played at Heritage Bank Arena. That, that, uh, that loss does not look so bad for them anymore. Quad one. Quad one loss. Yeah. We'll take, all of our losses are quad one. We'll take that every day of the week. 
I think Delaware for Xavier is a quad one. Yeah, that was at close. Home, that's, at home that's, against Oakland. The fighting Joe Biden. Yeah, that's, that's certainly right. close. Do we want to do picks hey, real quick? We got we, 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 we got a lot of things that we got to do. In the uh, last four minutes. It's fine. Casey, let's do picks real quick. All right, let's, if, let's blow through them. We'll hold our top. Can we wait on top five tomorrow? Sure. All right, we'll do that. We'll wait on top five tomorrow. Let's go our picks because Reed is going to be able to stick his chest out here. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, he's undefeated. Mr. Tom. Is I that go, right? Undefeated? I go, the, I go around the city of Hamilton, and everyone stops me asking for autographs, asking if I'm Mr. 10 and 0. So, yeah, undefeated. Undefeated through the postseason. This was uh, – look at that. You guys all love the Texans. I told you guys they didn't stand a prayer. They never stood a prayer. That's good work, Reed. Yep. Yep. And it wasn't after halftime even a prayer. No, it was it was a blowout. That's what the Ravens do though. The but Ravens. they're gonna lose this week. Rolling. They're Rolling. a wagon. All right. What we got next. Got the pack to cover. Elliot, you took the Niners. Yeah. The Packers played better yeah, than the Niners. Here. I was getting ready to say the Niners were very lucky. We didn't go into great depth on Monday about that game. They are very lucky they won that game insanely lucky uh yeah i mean in all honesty brock pretty i, I said i gave kudos to brock pretty he played terrible for yep. three and a half quarters he had one good drive the final drive made some big some big throws but the the niners have played two important games in the last month and have played very bad yeah the ravens on christmas which was a month ago and then this game we'll get into some of the numbers tomorrow but i was looking at some of the 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 numbers for detroit this year when they play outdoors they are not pretty I think that's why Brian Billick was saying yesterday they got no chance to beat the Niners. We'll see. I don't know. All right. I don't know either. I don't know. We'll find out. We have no more picks tomorrow. By the way, I love teams. I love teams that know they have the worst kicker in the league and then ride with them in the playoffs. Cody Parkey and the Bears, uh, that year where he had the double doink to yeah. lose. Again, he was the worst kicker in the league that year. Anders Carlton, whatever the hell that guy's name was, was the worst kicker uh, in every statistic la this past season. I think he missed eight extra points on the year. Cowboys last year had a terrible kicker. Yeah, right? they rode with him all the way through, and that's the reason they are. But Everett says it, it's all he won't stop beating the he won't that, stop beating the drum. He says kickers don't matter. That's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'm surprised with this one. I thought you would have picked the Lions here. Who won this? Lions cover. Lions. Lions cover. Oh, yeah, they covered. That's right. That's right. They get that late touchdown. Yeah. I mean, Reed, just unbeaten. Elliot, solid. Uh, You're two and one so far. I'm two and one. That's what one. are you, Casey? O for three? No, I'm also two and one. You are? No, you're one and three. You did Texans. You, got, you got the Packers I, I, okay, right. Okay, sorry. I'm one, I'm one and two. I'm one and yeah. two. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I picked. Uh, Texans, Packers, and, and yeah, the Bucks. I'm one and two. I'm one and two. I'm one and two. I'm looking ahead, sorry. Okay, ahead. what's last but not least? To Elliot? Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I... Bill's played well. Bill should have won it. Bill should have won it. Again, Bill's kicker issues. Well. I can't, I can't I help kicker issues. I won it, but they played well. Kicker issues. Yeah. Who knows? I think, you know, you know Chiefs what... Chiefs have, have Butker. You know, in all honesty, <laughs> what lost, you know, I'll say this quick adage. I, I said this yesterday. The reason that the, that the Bills lost that game is because they started, they started getting a, a little scared when they got near the end zone at that final drive because they're driving downfield, right? Big plays, doing it all, and they look up at the clock and like, hey, if we score a touchdown, there's three minutes left for Patrick Mahomes. And they got scared of giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, so they just started handing it off to James Cook, who's running in the line, losing two yards of play. That's why they lost that That stuff game. makes me crazy. I lose my mind when announcers and, and fans start talking about the oh, guy, the ball back. Take the lead, take a touchdown, and take your chances. Right? right? right. Yep. All right. 
All right, do we have a cherry on top today? Uh, we do. We do? Yeah, we do. Uh, this is a, um, it's nothing too special, but Dan Pitcher just recently finished up his press conference, ah. and this is what he had to say about staying in Cincinnati and why he chose to stay here. Yeah, no, it's huge. There's a lot of people in this profession that I respect who have great perspective who have reached out to me. And almost to a, to a person, you know, their advice is when you have an elite quarterback, you hang on as long as you can. And we have that here. And not only is he an elite player, but, you know, I've gotten to know him so well as a person. Um, he's, he's a special person. He's different. They don't make many like him. And to get to continue working with him, day in and day out, knowing that we have a guy that can can win us a world championship, uh, it's hard to put a price on that. Good stuff. Casey, well Thank done. You. Thank you, Tom. That press conference just uh, started a little about an hour ago. That able to dig it up. That quote, dare I say, was picture perfect. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I was going to use that one yesterday. I thought it was too corny. <laughs> but whatever. It's a good thing you left it alone. Yeah. <laughs> let, let let the dunce part of the room handle all that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody. So, no, uh, any programming notes? Anything nope. we got going on today? Nope. We'll be back tomorrow. Be back That's tomorrow it, on this show, yeah. and we have box lunch tomorrow, which is your day to host tomorrow, right? Or or are we? That's correct. That I will be hosting box lunch tomorrow. It's Quip Lash Day for the members. We really enjoy that. Uh, members only stream today for the um, the Madden stream. We're going to continue doing another couple games and uh, uh, see how far we can get. So, are you guys playing like like the AFC Championship game this coming weekend? That kind of thing. No, we started a season. We fantasy drafted a team. Well, I know that, but I didn't know if maybe you'd evolve now into to, to seeing how this game goes for this weekend. as a preview kind of thing. Ooh, yeah, oh, we could we, do that's that. How, that's how we place our bets. We, we, we could do that. We do the Lions versus the... Oh, See, I think it would be great if you guys came back tomorrow. Okay, you did this now, and you came back tomorrow, and you said, okay, we played five games. Mm -hmm. Chiefs against the Ravens. Yeah. Right? And here, here were the numbers. 4-1 Ravens. 3-2 Chiefs. Whatever, right? Same thing on the NFC side. That's just a thought. I'm throwing it out there. It's your deal. I don't want to step on it. All right, everybody. We thank you so much for joining us. Casey, Lindsay, have a great day. Zebra, Reed, God have bless. a great day as well. Another cloudy day here in Hamilton. <laughs> the sun will come through. That's horrible. What a, what a couple of horrible days. At least it's warm. At least it's, At least it's warm. That's exactly I right. I would, I would take this over negative degrees. It was negative degrees and sunny last week. I'll take rainy and 40 all day. Last week was brutal. It was the cold. People have called me crazy. I think that was the coldest week of my lifetime. I, 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 I don't disagree. I've it, never seen the river completely freeze, and it was frozen. I've never seen that river. Did the lawnmower man trim it down? <laughs> Shave the ice. Two hours and three minutes. Yep, two hours, three minutes in. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. We'll get you tomorrow. <laughs>